This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for July 7th, 2013. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11 and 16 through 20. The message is by Father Ron Baird. Thursday was, of course, Independence Day, in case you missed it. That was what all the explosions in the air were. And so I wanted to go back to the reading from last week's epistle and kind of pick up on what Paul's talking about um, before we talk a little bit more about this week's, but because he, he talks about the main theme of Independence Day, which is liberty or freedom. At the beginning of that passage, he said, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Remember, for freedom, Christ has set us free. So what does that mean, that for freedom, Christ has set us free? Well, freed from what? Well, we're freed from the law, according to Paul. We are no longer bound by the, the, you know, the, the commandments and things that are going on there. You know, we are now free of all those things. They no longer um, are there to make sure that we know what is right and wrong. Now, why would he say such a thing? Is it because we can do whatever we want and get away with it? Well, that wouldn't make much sense, would it? What he's really telling us is the same thing that Jeremiah had prophesied a long time ago, that when the Messiah comes, no longer will you teach your children thus and thus. But rather, because rather than writing the law in our minds, he said that God will write the law in our hearts, that we will do the right thing because we want to do it, not because the law tells us we have to do it. And so we have been freed for freedom. And so what does that second freedom mean? How do, you, how do you get freed for freedom? Well, what he's saying is that it doesn't make much sense then if you've been freed from the law to then only to be enslaved by your passions, you know, by the flesh, to be enslaved by your wants and needs and urges, you know, to be enslaved by the things that, that drive us you know, internally. Because then surely we just traded one tyrant for another. So what good would it do us to be enslaved if we, you know, if we are to be freed if all we do is pick a different slave master? And so he tells us that we have been freed for freedom. And so what do we do then? Well, the thing we do is that we no longer are pushed about by the flesh, but rather we are called to listen to the Spirit. We do what God calls us to do because we desire to do that, because we love the Lord. We now are free to live and be who it is that God created us to be. We are now free to do what God created us to do, to genuinely become everything that God intended for us to be. That's the good news of what God has done in Christ, is that for freedom He has set us free. Now you might wonder what that has to do with Independence Day, but it actually has quite a bit, because this idea of freedom wasn't something that the Founding Fathers sat around and said, gee, we need to have a revolution. What do you want to base it on? Well, I don't know. What's a good thing for a revolution? Oh, freedom. We'll do freedom. Let's do that one. That's a good one. I mean, obviously they were very religious men, and they, they worked very hard at their faith. Many of them served on vestries, which if you've ever served on a vestry, you know, is a labor of love, um, because of the, the money we pay them isn't much. Um, actually, it's nothing. And, um, you know, it's certainly not one that you get a lot of gratitude for. And so many of them were very, very devout men. Um, and they prayed all the time. And they believed this passage, that it was for freedom that we were set free. And as they began to look at the problems that they were having, 
you know, with, with the British government, they began to say, we're feeling less and less free all the time. You know, no matter what we do, they, they just keep deciding stuff for us. And so they decided to pursue a different course, a course of freedom. And they were willing to give everything for that. Now, you might not have realized this, but when the Declaration of Independence was signed, did you know that they basically signed their own death warrant? Because it was an act of treason. They had said something that nobody else in the world other than these group of people in in the colonies believed. They said something which I'm not sure that if you said it to our government today, they would believe. Because what they were saying is that in the course of human events, if after a reasonable period of time, the government keeps oppressing its people and refuses to listen to them, it is the right and the duty of the people to rise up and overthrow that government. You think that'd go over well today? That's what I'm saying. If the government won't listen to you, it is your right and your duty to overthrow the government. Now, you might say, well, yeah, but now, you know, look at the governments now, they're a lot more powerful. But at their time, the, the British government was the most powerful country in the world. They had the biggest navy, the most army. They had plenty of money. They hired tons of mercenaries that we called Hessians or Germans who came in. I mean, they were the most powerful country in the world. And here, a bunch of farmers, really, and merchants, decided to tell them to take a hike. The chances of them surviving it weren't great. Benjamin Franklin stood up after they signed it, and he said to them, Gentlemen, we shall either hang together or we shall surely all hang separately. And it was sort of a euphemism in saying we got to stick together, but I suspected an awful lot of them thought, yeah, and they're going to line up all the gallows and we're all going to hang together because we're still going to get hung no matter what happens because that's what they do to traitors. They hang them. You know, and, and they even talked about pledging their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to this task. It was no small undertaking. It was huge. And, and they did those very things. Some of them lost their lives. A lot of them lost their fortunes. A lot of them, by the time the war were ended, were bankrupt. They had nothing left. And even George Washington, who actually was one of the wealthiest people in the country, um, spent like half of his fortune supplying his own troops because he couldn't get any money out of the states, you know, out of the Congress to do anything. They pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. And so, you know, it's an interesting thing. At one point, the British sent over the largest fleet that anybody had ever seen in history. And when they pulled into New York Harbor, there were more sails than anybody could count. And that was when, you know, Washington was sitting in New York, and they saw all these sails coming in. He's going, oh, good grief, because, I mean... How are you going to stand against that? If they start bombarding New York, it's going to be gone. And they did. One night they started bombarding New York, and then by dawn they quit. Because, you see, the British didn't really want to destroy New York. They actually needed the harbor. But they wanted to have a show of force. And so right after that, a peace offering came ashore and came and met with George Washington to suggest that a a commission of people come forward to talk about terms of how we could sit down at a table and work this this thing out. Except they made one mistake. When they addressed the letter that was addressed by the the general, 
um, said, Mr. Washington. Well, he wasn't Mr. Washington. He was General Washington. Matter of fact, in those days, he would have been His Excellency, General Washington, because he was the commander-in-chief of the army. So Washington knew right off the bat what the end result of this was going to be, which is, yeah, we can go back to the same thing we always had. And so he sent the guy away. Told him they weren't interested. You know, we didn't learn about that until after the war, by the way. Can you imagine if half the... Because you have to remember, in the Revolutionary War, a third of the country were patriots, a third of the country were loyalists, and a third of the country just didn't really care. I mean, they were like, well, one's as good as another. I just don't want them shooting all the time. So, you know, they didn't want to say, well, we turned down the, the peace talks. We weren't interested in that. But Washington did that right off the bat. And so what they did was they pledged their lives their fortunes and their sacred honors for this idea of liberty and freedom. But what you may not know is that one of the things that terrified the founding fathers most was democracy. Do you know that? We've kind of co-opted the word democracy now. It, we don't mean democracy the way it for what it actually is. Because now we say, oh, democracy, that's a wonderful thing. But in, the Founding Fathers didn't think democracy was wonderful. They thought that if you uh, endorsed democracy, you would end up with mob rule. And, and the truth is, is that it got proven 20 years later. Um, when the French Revolution came, remember when that came? That was a democracy. They even called each other citizen all the time because everybody was equal. And many of the, all the equal people got their heads cut off. Even some of the people who helped start the revolution got their heads cut off because it basically became a mob, a rabble of people. They didn't believe in democracy. They believed in a republic, which they actually took from Rome. They believed that, that real freedom required a, a real sacrifice on the part of people, that they had to be willing to do something special. And what that something was, was to be guided by God as our king. You frequently hear George Washington use the term providence, but he also referred to our, our only king, God, because God was the king of the United States as far as they were concerned. Everybody else that served in the government were their servants. Gee, I wonder where that idea went. We don't see much of that, do we? Benjamin Rush, who signed it, said that if you take the Bible out of education, you will destroy this republic. Isn't that amazing? It all had to do with the fact that we are freed. We have been given freedom so that we can have freedom. Not so we can have freedom to, to do what we want, but so we can have freedom to serve God. That was their real emphasis on it. And they were willing to die for that. And since then, thousands of people have died for that cause. People died in Revolutionary War. People have died in war since. In, in World War II, when they stormed the beaches of Normandy, they died for freedom. You know, and you ask, why did they do all that? Well, they did it for freedom. They gave their blood for freedom. Freedom isn't cheap. It costs a lot. And yet, they were willing to lay down their lives that we might be free. And so, what have we done with it? You know, that's my question. Do you think George Washington or, or a guy in an LST landing at Normandy Beach died so that um, we could give people a middle finger as we're driving down the road? You think he, they died so we'd have the freedom to weave in and out of traffic because they weren't going fast enough? 
Did they die so we could have pornography that would be legal? Or did they die so we could legalize drugs for people to get stoned and not know what they were doing? Is that what that blood was shed for? I hope not. That'd be pretty sad, wouldn't it? There's a a scene from the movie Saving Private Ryan, which is about the storming of of Normandy at D-Day, but it's really about them being ordered to go behind the lines and find this one guy who had parachuted in and was um, back there and and to bring him back, which they all thought was insane because chances were that the whole group was going to get killed before they got there. And they're going back there to get one guy. And when when they do get there, the fellow who was there told them they shouldn't have come. You know, that wasn't right. You shouldn't come. And I'm not going. And so a battle ensues then as the Germans come and the captain, who's played by Tom Hanks, is shot and he's dying. And again, the guy says, why did you do it? Why did you do it? You shouldn't have come. And Tom Hanks looks up in one of the more poignant moments of all of film, I think, is he looks at me and says, make it worth it. Make it worth it. And so when we talk about Independence Day and freedom, that's really the question that we ought to ask ourselves. Are we making it worth it? Is it worth the blood of our forefathers and and, and our foremothers who died in the field of battle? Is it worth the the life of the the machine gunner in a helicopter in Vietnam who died? Do you know that during Vietnam, the shortest life expectancy of any American was a machine gunner? They were the most likely people to, to die that were Americans. Is, you know, we have to. Is it worth it that the men and women who have gone to Kuwait, and Iraq, and Afghanistan, that they gave their life for, is it worth it? Is what we are offering to our children and our children's children worth it? You know that kind of price. Are we really doing what God put us here to do, or have we? devolved down into a mob, into a rabble? Have we really gotten to the point where we think that it's all about us? Did these men and women die so that people could run commercials telling you how wretched the other candidate is? You know, to where your real decision when you finally go to vote is, gee, which is the least offensive of the options? Is that what we're really about? I don't think so. I think what they died for was so that we would go to an election and say, golly, I don't know. The Democratic candidate is really great. I mean, I think he'd do some really great things. But the Republican candidate, he's really great too. And I think he'd do some really great things. Gee, I'm having a hard time making up my mind. They're both so good. That'd be a switch, wouldn't it? But do you really think that they died so that we could have gridlock in our government and have people you know, basically doing anything to obtain power, people forming political action committees to raise money to get, so you can run negative ads to tell everybody how bad the other person is. Is that what we die? Is that what they died for? Is that what we ask for the men and women of our armed forces now to go die for? I hope not. It's not what the founding fathers believed. They believed that God created us for freedom and the kind of freedom that was for freedom. Freedom to be what He has created us to be and to do the things that He created us to do. And when we live into that kind of freedom, then it's worth it. 
then we have you know, given our all. But if we devolve into being a country that believes only in our own personal gain or my own personal comfort or convenience, then I suspect we're not free at all. And in fact, we're more slaves than we ever have been. Many people today are willing to sacrifice lots of liberties so that we can feel safe. Well, Ben Franklin said something about that too. He said, anyone who is willing to sacrifice liberty for security deserves neither. Because we'll die. There was an article in the Washington Post recently, by the way. It was interesting. The headline said, Franklin was wrong. That's pretty audacious if you think about it. I mean, Ben Franklin was wrong. He didn't know what he's talking about. Which is really bad because he can't even defend himself. But is that really what we are? Or a group of people? You know, do we, have we come to believe that we're a great country and that we ought to celebrate because we have a lot of money? Because we have a strong, powerful military? Is that really what makes us great? Or is it the freedom to be what God created us to be and to do the things He created us to do? Because you see, that was the radical concept that came in in the revolution that no one ever believed. Before that, everybody believed that if you took the populace, they needed somebody to tell them what to do because they're stupid and they're selfish and they're evil. And that's why God made kings. He appointed them. Did you know that? God appointed kings. That's a divine right of kings. And, and they called the, the people who the king ruled over subjects for a reason. They were subjected to his authority. That's why King George was so furious when they signed this thing. He was like, what? And to him, it wasn't just, you know, they're being treasonous. It was, it, they were overturning the social order of their day. So the question for us over 200 years later is what do we do with that? How do we live that out? How do we pass on to the next generation that same concept of that freedom is important, but it's important because it enables you to handle responsibility? And with a story, a personal story. When I was 20 and a half years old, exactly, believe it or not, my dad came to me and he said, Ron, you're going to be um, 21 in six months. I went, yeah, it's going to be great. I can go to bars. I'm going to be an adult. I can do whatever I want to. Nobody can tell me what to do anymore. It's going to be really good. And he said, yes, it is. Because you know, he always told me that when you're 21, you're your own person. He said, so I just wanted to let you know you won't be living here. And I said, what? <laughs> he said, I want to let you know that when you're 21, you won't be living at home anymore. And he said, I said, well, you don't want me to live here? And he goes, well, no, I want you to be an adult. That, that's what adults do. They, they move out and they take care of themselves. And so I wanted to give you a heads up that you need to get ready for that. And I said, but I'll have to support myself. And he said, well, I do. My dad had an eighth grade education, but he had a way of putting things that just, yeah, what do you say to that? But I do, you know. He said, but I do. I do. He said, look, you got a head start. You've got far more education than I've got. You know, you're in good shape. You'll make it. And it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. Because if he hadn't done that, I'd still be living at home with my mom and dad, and they're dead. That would be bad. I mean, how would I survive? But instead, what happened was I decided, he's right. 
I can do it, and I'm going to do it. Sometimes I worked three jobs. That was fun. But I did what I had to do because it was necessary to do. And along the way, I was fortunate enough to meet a God who also told me why I needed to do it. Not just because it's important to pay your bills, but because it's important to live out the life that He calls us to live. Because see, the truth is, is that you can never be you until you're the you that God had in mind when He created you. And until you live into that potential, you'll only be a shadow of yourself. But if you will follow that dream, it will lead you to glorious things. It may not be wealth. It may not be power. But it will be glorious anyway. It will be glorious for you. And so as we go forth from this 4th of July holiday weekend, let's begin to ask ourselves, are we making it worth it? Because the truth is, is that the only reason why they run all those ads is because they work. If they didn't work, they wouldn't run them. The only reason why the internet spreads all these rumors is because they work. Well, when are we, the people, going to start saying enough? I'm not doing this anymore. I'm sick of this. I want to go back to the day where we make it worth it. Because I'm not willing to ask any young man or woman to shed their blood for this. And when we begin to live out our lives that way, it is only then that we truly will be able to say that America is the greatest country in the world because then we will have lived up to the ideals and the hope that created our country. You see, our greatness isn't from wealth or power. It's from freedom. The freedom for freedom's sake. Amen. You were just listening to Come and See. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Anglican Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to come and see.